Hi everyone, welcome to Behind the Numbers. This is the show where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a Senior Director of Valuation Services at Pine Hill Group. Today we're going to be talking about mergers and acquisitions. I'm pleased to welcome my guest today, Mark Gato of Falcon Capital Partners. Mark, thanks for joining the program. Hey, it's great to be here, David. So Mark, I always start out with having my guests just very briefly talk about who they are and their firm, and then we'll take a dive into the issues at hand here. So. Yeah, sure. My name's Mark Gato, and I'm an investment banker with Falcon Capital Partners. Um, I grew up in the software industry, uh, primarily in sales and marketing, and ended up running a company that uh, uh, sold, that I sold, and that kind of got me into banking. And Falcon is a bank that uh, focuses on technology. We have a, a very large healthcare practice and then we have uh, commercial technology practice as well and regionally we focus on commercial and industrial too. Practices are, the tech practices are, are, are you know, uh, uh, national in nature. So just to clarify for our viewing audience, you use the term banking. Um, we're talking about investment banking here, not commercial banking, just a, a term of art. Um, that's clarify. right. We do uh, M&A work. We transact companies. We are advocates for owners, primarily, who want to sell their businesses or raise capital or acquire uh, additional businesses. So who are, what's a typical client for you, Mark? What do they look like? <sighs> typical client is a, I'd say, anywhere from a 5 to $50 million software or, or software-enabled service uh, on the tech side or a 20 to 100 million dollar uh, industrial business. Uh, usually it's uh, privately held, uh, I'd say about 20% of the time, 30% of the time it's institutionally owned. Uh, and uh, you know the goal is for that uh, owner or management team to exit. And they exit because uh, uh, primarily it could be retirement or uh, they could be just in a position where they know that if they uh, raise capital and, and get some institutional money, they can grow faster, or just a firm needs to be in a larger home to uh, secure uh, you know, the legacy and, and the longevity of the company. Is there a typical time in, in the business's life cycle that they start to have conversations with you? Uh, or when they should have conversations with you? <laughs> well, they, you know, I, I believe that uh, Companies should should touch, touch base with a banker every now and again. I think there, there's usually an inflection point, and it's usually someone wants to retire, someone wants to buy out a family member or a partner, or they're being approached by their competitors or by private equity firms who are interested in acquiring the firm. And um, you know, my advice is don't jump at that because there's a lot of preparation that that one needs to go through in order to optimize the sale and optimize their wealth and just uh, professionalize the firm a bit so they can withstand <laughs> the diligence that's usually pretty intense. Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit because you, you touched on a lot of really key points here that I think business owners really need to understand. Uh, maximizing value, don't jump, and getting prepared. So an exit is a process, it isn't just an event. You want to speak to some of those issues and help business owners understand what really is involved in the process? Yes, yeah, sure. I mean, you said an exit is a process, and it is. We call it a project. Uh, it's a project plan. And, you know, projects have beginning and end and milestones and, and, and objectives. And uh, so we typically ask people to kind of slow down. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that we find out <laughs> when we dig into firms is typically their accounting's not. Uh, 
not professionalized enough to withstand diligence. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, most business owners see accounting as a necessary evil instead of a system that helps them uh, measure performance and drive decisions and drive their strategy and and also a way to help them understand how they make money <laughs> so you know where's the revenue coming from how it flows through the business where's the margin capture points and once they understand that uh, they can drive the business a little bit better so accounting is something that we focus on because Many times the investors, even though they may be looking at this from a more strategic perspective, you know, want to know what the cash flow is of the business. Quality of earnings, is that an important matter? Very important. Quality of earnings, we, you know, that's becoming more and more important today. We see more and more business owners uh, going through a, a pre-transaction quality of earnings or, you know, it could be a heavy or light depending on the state of the accounting. And, uh, and, and this, this way you have a set of transaction ready books as well as uh, an outside uh, independent party kind of providing a report that you can hand off to investors or buyers and say, hey, we're, you know, we're good, we're in good shape. Yeah, well as you know, I do valuation consulting, have done it for a very long time. Yeah. And in the concept of the business value, and I've also, I'm also a former investment banker, so I understand the process a little bit. But I, I've told clients in the past that if they're in the due diligence process and they're spending their time explaining away historic performance, you know, normaliz normalizing adjustments are one yeah. thing, but trying to explain things in a diligence process as opposed to handing somebody a clean set of financial statements suggests that there's maybe more risk in the business. And the more risk a buyer perceives, I think, the greater the likelihood that they're going to see a reduced valuation. D does that jive yeah, oh with yeah. what you say? Oh yeah, David. So the, 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 the risk meter, as I call it, uh, you know, uh, shifts greatly. Uh, many firms, when they for example, if a firm tries to sell on their own and the buyer comes in, we've seen deals uh, just fall apart because uh, the buyer or the investor doesn't have a lot of confidence in, in the numbers. Uh, so uh, what, a, you know, what a quality of, quality of earnings report or just some basic cleanup, uh, you know, it, 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 it reduces that, that risk meter gauge you know, and, and gives comfort to a buyer that, that, that uh, you know, they can follow the numbers and the firm has been prof been professionally run and there's no, you know, there's no ghost in the closet. There's no uh, hiccups or, yeah. you know. So you do a lot in the tech space. Mm -hmm. Are you finding that there's a, a preference for strategic buyers or financial buyers? Well, look, I mean, you're going to get your most value with a strategic buyer, you know, 100% of the time in, in my experience. But the financial buyers are really important for people who still want to stay with the business, still see growth uh, ahead of them. You know, so there's, you know, there's many types of financial buyers. There's you know, pure buyouts, they want to buy you and, 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 and leave or have you stay on for a transition period. But there's, you know, we, we see most of the technology uh, investors that uh, bet on the management team. Uh, much like a venture firm would, but bet on the management team, allow that management team to take some money off the table, uh, allow the firm to professionalize itself with uh, you know, new, better practices, maybe a handful of new executives, and then capital to go uh, you know, fund development, grow a sales force, or make some acquisitions. So um, uh, uh, yeah, so you know, in that situation, that kind of double bite of the apple, your initial valuation may be less and you might sell 60 or 70% of the, the business. 
but that second exit could be just as valuable as the first, if not more so. Yeah. Mark, uh, tell the audience how they can contact you if they want to learn more. Sure. Um, best way to reach me is go to our website at falconllc.com, www.falconllc.com, and all our contact information is there. Let's spend just another minute or two on, on valuation, if we could, since you brought up the subject and it's near and dear to my heart. We were talking before the program, and you mentioned something that really resonated. You like to sell um, beyond the numbers, I think is what you said. You know, and the show is called Behind the Numbers, so there was a resonance <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. In, in your assessment of a company's value, you look beyond the numbers. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that means for business owners? Yeah, so kind of how we differentiate ourselves from other banks is that we're former operators. We worked for big companies, we parachuted out, we started our own companies, we raised capital, we bought companies. Uh, one of my partners had two public rides. So we're, 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 we have this operating mindset. So when we get into a firm, we're not just looking at the numbers. They're very, very important. But we're looking for other levers that we could pull to maximize you know, the wealth uh, uh, of, the, of, the, of the shareholders and the value of the firm. And for example, we'll look at the management team. We'll look at the, uh, the intellectual property, of course. Uh, we'll look at um, you know, the, the markets and, and geographies that, that get served. And we'll try to make sense of all that and, and kind of position additional value beyond the numbers. Yeah. What do business owners need to be most aware of as they start to contemplate the sailing of their business? Well, there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, we, we talked about how your books need to be properly, you know, prepared and, and you know, transaction ready is the, is the way, is the term that we use. But there's other things, too, that get people, that get, that cause issues as you go through diligence and legal. Is a, is a big issue. Do you, do you own your international, do you have a straight line to ownership on your IP, on your software? Uh, are your contracts set up so that um, they, they actually uh, help you uh, capture margin and recognize revenue? Is your revenue recognition policy in line with how you're contracting or licensing your software or your service? Uh, you know, do your, do your do your employees have uh, you know, certain agreements in place? Uh, so th there's, th th sometimes uh, there's a big issue around consents. You might have contracts where you have to get a consent in the sale of a company, and uh, you know, depending on how that language is written. So there's always things that pop up. <laughs> there's always yeah. something that, that you miss. Uh, and um, so you really have to go through you know, kind of a, a multi-step uh, pre-diligence cycle uh, with a banker, uh, with your CPA firm, with your attorney, so that you know you know everything about the business and can explain it and disclose it and you know allow people to investigate it so that they get that comfort and they could provide the value that they've initially offered you. Yeah, more transparency, greater valuation. So we've, we've got to take a quick break here on that note, Mark. So don't go anywhere, and you don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on behind the numbers after this commercial break. College at Gloucester County, low cost. The number one nursing program in all of New Jersey. More than 70 programs of study, including selective admissions. With record enrollment. A premier partnership with Rowan University. Transfer options with numerous universities. 
four-year degree options on our campus, Rowan College at Gloucester County. Now you're thinking. Medicare coverage can be a very confusing and complicated process. Help is just a phone call away, 856-226-4800. As a licensed insurance agent, I'll assist you in making an informed and confident decision on a Medicare plan that meets your needs, lifestyle, and budget. Call me today for a free, no obligation, Medicare benefits consultation, 856-226-4800. When did you see the sign? When I needed to create a better visitor experience. Improve our workflow. Attract new customers. That's when FastSigns recommended fleet graphics. Yeah, now business is rolling in. Get started at FastSigns.com. What do I want to be when I grow up? Maybe a musician? A veterinarian? Maybe an equestrian? A mommy? Well, why not be all these things and more? Consider joining me, Dr. V, with friends and colleagues as we explore a wide range of topics together. V is for variety, here on RVN TV. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. Today my guest is Mark Gato, a managing partner at Falcon Capital Partners, and we're talking mergers and acquisitions. And uh, Mark, during the first part of the program, you mentioned something about the operational experience of the Falcon team. How does that help you and your clients when you're going through the M&A process? Yeah, look, so when we, when we talk to owners, a lot of times they ask, you know, when, you know when's, when's the best time to sell or what's the best exit strategy? You see a lot of people talking about exit strategies, which, which is a little bit about what we talked in the first session of the show, just getting your books and legal stuff, you know, in place and updated and all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, from an operator's perspective, you know, we also talked about how, you know, Ted, Carl, and I are, are, are operators, former operators that have, you know, run firms and invested in firms and stuff like that. And uh, we always say your best, your best exit strategy is a growth strategy. So f do all that you know, exit stuff. You need to get your books you know, clear and, 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 and more granular, more professionalized, and the same with legal. But what we typically ask companies to go through is uh, kind of a, a visioning session where you know, we want to know, you know where you're going, how are you going to get there? What's going to make you successful? So, and we want to kind of bound that in a, in a three-year period. And then we want to know, you know, what are the initiatives that you're going to execute on? Typically, there's three initiatives. It's, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's selling and marketing one. It's an R&D one. 
it's a funding one, and sometimes there's one around talent too, right? I need to yeah. upgrade. And so, uh, so then we say, great, you have these initiatives. Let's put plans to them. Let's put budgets to them. Let's assign responsibility. Let's you know, make people accountable. Let's give them metrics so that they can measure performance. And let's have a regular cadence of uh, performance meetings, you know, from, a, from a weekly update to a monthly review, you know, quarterly deep dive, and then just an annual you know, or set back, a, you know, reset type of session. And so I think when people get into that cadence of understanding where they're going, how they're going to get there, and why they're going to be successful, which is really why are we, you know, what's our competitive advantage? You know, why are we investing in that, how are we investing in that competitive advantage? That gives people a really a clear direction to how to grow the firm, and growth is what people pay up for. You know, they pay for growth in revenue, they pay growth for in margins, they pay, you know, growth in market share. And so, you know, again, we can go on for a couple hours on this, but your your best exit plan is a growth plan. So that that's a great sound bite. Your best exit strategy is a growth strategy. <laughs> I really like that a lot. <laughs> Thank one, you. A lot, Mark. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about valuation, but from a transactional perspective. Two companies, similar financial performance. Let's let's say that we might value them uh, at ten million dollars each. Yeah, I just was. Uh, I'm sorry. They don't necessarily transact at the ten million dollars, though. There, there's differences that I want you to speak to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just I was just gave a presentation kind of on this subject out in Denver a, a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, the the question that came up is, hey, you sold company X for Y. Uh, my, there, you know, ergo, <laughs> therefore, my company should be sold for the same amount. It's like, no, nah, not necessarily. Uh, we, but why not? We're in the same industry. Our our solution set's pretty similar. Why not? And and it really comes down to in the software industry and, and you know software enabled services industry, uh, you know, two or three different firms could be could be, you know, at that ten or twenty or thirty million dollar level of revenue. But how that revenue flows through the P&L, and how it generates cash and margin, and how it, and how fast someone's growing, or how fast someone's burning cash, or or or, or adding cash, uh, is really uh, you know what drives you know value for any given buyer. So um, again, it goes back to your you know growing the firm. If if you're growing your top line and you're able to. Um, Grow margins. That's great. You could be growing the top line though at 100% and losing money, and that's still incredibly valuable for people. So that's that sexy SaaS software company. Yeah. You can be a managed service company where you're not growing. You may be growing at only 15 or 20%, but man, you're generating a lot of cash, and and that could be of value to certain buyers as well. Um, and you could be, you know, flatlined and making a lot of money, and you know, people see that as a lifestyle business, and maybe you don't. Get the, the you know the value that the other two yeah. companies are. So there's it's all different. It all goes back to what you do in terms of valuation work. It all goes back to uh, what we said earlier in the show. You know, understanding your numbers, understanding how you make money, understanding how you grow the business, uh, and being able to articulate that um, in a, in a storyline and have the numbers support that story <laughs> is what's really important to, to investors and, and buyers. Yeah, uh, for business owners that want to get in touch with you, Mark, how can they do that? Oh yeah, sure, um, love to hear from you. We're at falconllc.com, www.falconllc.com. So 
So misconception about valuation is one common thread that we both see all the time. What other misconceptions do business owners have coming into the, the sell side process? Um, well, some people think they could transact on their own, and, and I'm not saying that you can't do that, but usually you, you know, the valuation is suboptimized, and you may not know what you could have gotten, and you may not know if you could have found a better partner to put your firm into, right? So it's not just about, when, when you go through a sell-side process, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a matchmaking game, too. You, you want to get the best value, but that probably shouldn't be, and sometimes isn't, the, you know, the number one factor. You also want to find a home for your employees, for your customers. Yeah. You might want to go along with that firm, and you want to make sure there's a good cultural fit and a good working relationship you know, with your new boss <laughs> and, and management team or investor set. So, um, um, you, know, you, you, you know, I think buyers or sellers, you know, owners, uh, sometimes, um, you know, don't understand the process and what the process kind of can, can, can open up to them in terms of better value or, or better homes for their companies. Yeah, one of the questions that I get a lot from uh, business owners is I'm being approached by somebody um, and they're, they're making an offer and it just really sounds good. Maybe I should take it. And I tried to explain to them about the power of the auction. Just the psychology of other buyers seeing an offering memorandum, for example, meaning that they've got to sharpen their pencil. Can you speak to that a little bit to help business owners understand why it makes sense to engage in a formal process? I would say, uh, you know, um, and um, this is an educated guess, 30 to 40 percent of the time uh, a management team or a business owner comes to us and said, you know, I, last year I went through a process and it just didn't work out. And, uh, you know, Company X or Investor Group Y came to me and we went through this whole cycle and it distracted my company and uh, uh, we, you know, in the end it just didn't, just didn't happen. And so, uh, and, and the reason for that is, you know, everything we just talked about in this show, they just weren't properly, you know, prepped or, 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 or planned uh, for the exit. So, um, you know, we see that as, a, 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 as a, a, you know, one problem. The other problem is, hey, look, there's a lot of money out there on the street, so you, you, you're probably getting phone calls from private equity firms, venture capital firms, you know, your competitors, et cetera, even, even people that want to, um, you know, find a business to operate and run. And so people get phone calls all the time, and that makes them feel good, but, uh, uh, and it's good that you're getting phone calls, but just understand you're just, you're just a, a name on a list that people are plowing through to see if there's any interest uh, from an owner in a cell. So you really gotta scrutinize and qualify all these uh, inquiries. Yep, we use the word process a lot in our conversation. Let's define what that really means. What is it, how long does it take, what can an owner expect if they go through the process? Yeah, so, you know, the, the length of time actually, you know, depends on how ready the firm is to kind of enter into that formal process. So there's a pre-process prep, and that could take a long time. Uh, you know, many times we, we just sold a firm uh, that we spent uh, three years with helping them prep, uh, and that was on purpose. Uh, the, uh, the woman um, wanted to, uh, um, you know, organize, grow a little bit, you know, mature a bit, you know, go through a kind of maturation process for the firm before she and she was ready to sell. And, um, and I was glad that she, <laughs> we're glad that she did that. We helped her uh, 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 along that, you know, 
that, that process. So the pre-prep is, um, is one thing. The actual process you know, could take, you know, my guess is it's anywhere from four to 12 months. And, and that really depends on uh, you know, the company itself, the market segment, uh, the overall macroeconomics that are taking place in. But if I was a business owner, I would say, hey, once we get you to market, once we get all the artifacts created to launch into a process, it's probably six to nine months. Okay. You talk about being ready. One of the things I'm asked a lot, which is interesting, uh, business owners want to know, is now the right time, whatever the time of year, the time, whatever the period may be economically, in economic cycle, is now the right time to go to market? And they're, they're playing a market timing game in their mind. Is now the right time versus are they really ready to sell? Can you talk about this concept of the, the timing of going to market versus being ready to go to market? Yeah, so um, um, timing, look, you know, back in, when was it, 2006, seven, eight, it, you know, or, or, or I guess it was eight and nine or around there when we had the recession, that wasn't a good time to go out, right? And then as the market peaked, it was probably a better time to go out just because the macroeconomic situation was better and you know valuations were, were up there and people were maybe a little bit more desperate to sell in a, in a declining market than they are in an accelerating one. So timing does play a little bit of a factor, but it really depends on you know where, where you are as a person, where the firm is in terms of its evolution and, and maturation cycle, you know how mature it is, and then uh, you know what's driving that uh, decision to sell, and it could be around growth. Hey, I'm I'm, an, I'm a CEO, and I love taking a firm from zero to 20 million, but I'm not that guy who's going to take it or girl who's going to take it from 20 to 100 million. So I need. I, you know, I, I need to put this in a bigger firm or I need some, uh, an investor to help me take it to the next level. Uh, so, you know, gosh, I hate saying it depends, but it depends, right? And, uh, and it depends on each and every unique situation that, that you, know, you encounter as a, you know, in, in your role and, and in my role. I hear a lot of business owners say, you know what, I would sell my business, but I don't know what I would do with the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> you know, you yeah, and it's, a, you know, it's something that you really need to think about. We always tell our uh, clients to work with a wealth management company. And the reason that is, is many of these uh, firms can model out your future post-sale. But also, they actually have some pretty cool uh, exercises that you could go through and say, okay, you sold the business, what do you do when you get up in the morning? What do you want to do with your, you know, your wife or husband? What do you want to do with your kids? You know, you know, are there hobbies? Is there a charity that you want to work on? Or is there a, the next new deal you want to get involved in? Uh, so you really need to think through those things because uh, there was a statistic that one of the wealth management firms gave us and said 88% of the, the deals that happen are successful. You know, the owners are successful that they sold the business based upon valuation and terms. But like 50% of the owners aren't happy because they haven't thought about what they're going to do next with their lives. So they really need to think about that. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's very important. And, you know, we, you know, um, as former business owners, I think we can weigh in on that and uh, uh, help them think that through. All of us sold our businesses. All of us could, could be retired. But, uh, you know, we like what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we're glad we're, you know, we're still, you know, 
in the hunt, helping, helping people you know, optimize their wealth, grow their companies, et cetera. Great advice. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. That's all the time we have today on Behind the Numbers. My guest was Mark Gato of Falcon Capital Partners. And until next time, we'll see you on Behind the Numbers. Take care. Thank you, David.